The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Richard Sims is going to be here with news in just a couple of moments. By the way, Sherry Laskin is still with us. She hasn't gone anywhere, just catching up on a couple of things, and she'll be with us. We hope by the end of August, Sherry will be back. But in the meantime, I really do appreciate staff writer Richard Sims stepping in. Those are certainly big shoes to fill. What else do we have? Ashley Kashulik from The Point Sky coming up a little later on in the show, talking about Carnival's Mardi Gras. We kind of did a little recap and overview last week. We're going to get into more detail this week about the zones on the ship, what the dining situation is like, what's free, what's not, and Bolt the roller coaster. A lot of uh, controversy on that with them charging $15 for one lap. So we'll catch up with Ashley a little later on in the show as well. All right, staff writer Richard Sims. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug, welcome back. It's nice that you decided to come back and join us again. Happy to be here. So this is interesting because it seems like every time we talk, it's always about the state of Florida and some lawsuit. At first, it was the CDC. But then a couple of weeks ago, Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings in the state of Florida, they butted heads. It looks like we have a, an outcome, at least temporarily. Yeah, you know, the the sort of world-weary tone that you have as you set this up is, I think, sort of how all of us feel about this. We're just like, Florida, knock it off. <laughs> just cruise ships are sailing, let them go, just stop with all this. So this time, Norwegian, um, Norwegian is very determined that they are going to sail with 100% of people on board vaccinated. And of course, you know, that's that's sort of goes flies directly in the face of what Florida's governor, Governor DeSantis, wants to do. So they went to court with this, and the federal judge, Kathleen Williams, um, sort of basically very clearly sided with Norwegian in this. I want to read a little segment of the ruling here. It said that the main reason that they that she sided with Norwegian over Florida was she said that Florida presented no evidence to demonstrate that its asserted interests are in response to real problems that Florida residents are actually facing. There is no evidentiary support that residents have experienced intrusions on their medical privacy or discrimination because some businesses, including cruise lines, have required COVID-19 vaccination and documentation. So basically she was saying, you know, listen, this is just a BS lawsuit, you know, that, that is sort of very political. And in, as you might expect, um, the governor of Florida is not happy with this and is already making plans to appeal. Meanwhile, Norwegian is kind of claiming it as a win in their category and moving ahead with their plans to sail with 100% vaccinated cruisers. What I find that really most interesting about this, and this is something that I bring up every single time we talk about this, is that other ships are sailing out of Florida and they are basically asking people, you know, if they're vaccinated or not. I mean, you know, you look at uh, the, the the ship you just got off of, the Mardi Gras. It's sailing at like 95 percent vaccinated. And the only way they can possibly know that is if they are asking people to prove that they're vaccinated and or file for an exemption. So it, it all just feels like it, it just doesn't make sense to me why these things keep going on. Just let it go, you know, yeah. sing a chorus of let it go and let's move forward. Yeah, I think like with everything, though, I mean, even with like the U.S. tax code, there's loopholes, too. Right. So I think every law has a loophole in it where you can kind of get around the back door if you do something one way and not the other. Exactly. Exactly. But I think the the you know, the. This is definitely the case of a long story becoming short mm. or actually a short story becoming long in that, you know, I, I 
I don't really understand why we keep revisiting this. It seems to be like Florida is in a position where they are going to make a lot of money by letting the cruise ships sail. Yeah. So it's good for everybody. You know, let's 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 just let this one die. Yeah. And your your hometown ship that you normally sail on is sailing not in your hometown, but is kicking off service in Florida this week at Norwegian Gym. So that's the uh, Norwegian's first ship out of Florida. I mean, they went to what Seattle last weekend. So this is their first Florida ship. So good to see them return. Very good. I uh, I really hope everyone enjoys it and is sitting at the uh, bar at the back watching the wake, which is where I would be if I could be there on that ship. And Disney Cruise Line is back in the U.S. They certainly are. And um, this is out of Port Canaveral. Things are really starting to get back to normal at Port Canaveral. You know, after so long of not having any ships sailing, uh, Royal Caribbean will be sailing out of there. Um, they're sailing the Mariner on a test cruise out of there. Uh, and Monday night, the Disney Dream departed on her first sailing. It's a four-day sailing to the Bahamas. Um, interestingly, Disney is not requiring passengers to be vaccinated, be, which makes sense because they have so many families that travel with children. It would be almost impossible for them to put in a vaccination requirement, you know, unless they did like, okay, we're going to sail with 25% of our guests vaccinated. Um, They are, however, saying that people will have to be tested and that all guests two years or older have to wear masks indoors. So, but you know, if you want to go on a Disney cruise, you know, you're going to be surrounded by kids and this is, this is exactly what you expect. So good for Disney. They're out there. They're, they're back to sailing and uh, hopefully the rest of their fleet will be joining them soon. Yeah, and it's very important that if you if one of your cruise lines that you're sailing on requires a PCR or antigen test, when you come to the pier, make sure you have that. Because uh, talking to people at the pier yesterday, I was there for the sail away. Because talking to people at the pier on Monday, I was there for the sail away. About two dozen families were turned down because they didn't have the instant test when they got to the pier. So if your cruise line requires it, please make sure you have that PCR or antigen test when you get to the terminal. Yeah, it's really important that, and I think people aren't necessarily paying, or at least all people aren't paying enough attention to this, the requirements of exactly when you have to have those tests, how many hours in advance. You know, um, I have a friend who is flying to Greece this week to do a cruise out of uh, Mykonos, I believe. And um, he's very concerned because of his travel times that, you know, they want a test done. I think it's 36 hours in advance. And he's like, I'm going to be on a plane basically for those 36 hours. So, you know, you really have to make sure that you know the timeline and that you have the test with and don't count on them being able to do a test when you get there, because a lot of cruise lines aren't doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So Virgin, they're finally sailing revenue cruises over in the U.K., isn't this crazy? Don't you feel like we've been talking about the Scarlet Lady yes. for like three years now? And the fact of the matter is she has never sailed a revenue sailing. She has sailed with people on board. She did a um, sort of media and influencer sailing, which frankly didn't go particularly well. They got kind of a lot of criticism on that particular cruise. But this week, they're finally doing sailings with passengers out of the UK. They're sort of staycations, meaning only people from the UK can go and they're staying within the UK. Um, One of the great things is Virgin doesn't really have to worry about the problem of kids who are too young to be vaccinated because they only allow 18 and above. So everyone on board is required to be vaccinated. Uh, they, they will, this, this ship is sailing out of the UK. It was originally supposed to come and sail out of Miami and it will do that. I think in October, they start sailing out of that very beautiful new terminal that has been built for them. But this is a long time in coming. I mean, it's over a year since this ship was expected to launch and is only just now, um, starting to sail. And, you know, I mentioned that they had some sort of, sort of some pretty some 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 criticism coming out of the gate when they did that first sailing i think the only thing that really matters is the people who are paying customers and what they say of the ship so it'll be really interesting to see what these first few um you know loads of paying passengers what they have to say about the experience because of course virgin is so much different from any cruise line we've said we've seen before while we've talked a lot about how carnival mardi gras changed the game for carnival 
the Scarlet Lady really changes the game for cruising as a whole. It is a completely different experience. So really look forward to talking to people who come off that ship. And speaking of ships starting up, we finally got a glimpse and a chance to sail on Carnival Cruise Line's Mardi Gras. Yeah, well, don't say we because I well. did not set foot on it. <laughs> you set foot on it while I sat home and read your trip reports and was jealous in a way that I have not been jealous in a very, very, very long time. Yeah, uh, it's it's been a long Like the Scarlet Lady, Mardi Gras was delayed quite a bit, but uh, she finally had her inaugural say, sailing, and Doug Parker was lucky enough to be on board. Doug, tell us a little bit. Well, I don't want to repeat myself because last week, Ashley and I talked about it in depth for about 30 minutes, and we'll talk a little bit more later on in the show about it as well. But it's definitely a departure for Carnival. Bolt roller coaster was very cool at $15 a lap. Uh, for me, it was totally worth it. I did two laps on it. And uh, yeah, the food was good. Uh, Rudy's Sea Grill, excellent. There was a little bit of a dining issue or is that needs to be worked out, but it seems like by the middle of the week, things kind of leveled out a little bit as far as where people can eat and the options they have, because you could actually order from the main dining room in different specialty restaurants across the ship. But also not only that, you can eat for free, like in Cucina and also Guy's, uh, was it Guy's Smokehouse, where on other ships, they charge you at nighttime to eat in that venue. So, yeah, it's things to learn, things to work out. And it's a new ship, too. So I, I can't give them too much crap. I am counting down the days. You know, my <laughs> countdown clock is really big to my December 4th sailing on that ship. I have not been this excited about a sailing in a very long time. And all of your trip reports made me even more exciting, uh, excited. And I hope people are checking them out. Yep, cruiseradio.net. You can find the trip reports for Carnival's Mardi Gras there. So while I was on that sailing, Carnival had two announcements. One was a mask requirement, and one was a mandatory testing requirement. Yeah, this is – it was a little bit of a surprise, but it probably shouldn't have been as we've all been paying attention. You know, the the situation in the world is changing rapidly, and, and the, the variants are sort of causing a little bit of concern that – you know, yes, if you're vaccinated, you're not going to get as sick, but you still could get it. And one of the ways to cut back on that is, of course, masking. So Carnival announced that starting with basically this week's sailings, uh, they would be requiring people to wear masks, um, not just unvaccinated passengers, but everyone. Um, originally, unvaccinated passengers were um, required to wear masks in quite a few spaces. Now, uh, they will not be requiring masks in outdoor spaces, but they will be requiring them in indoor spaces like elevators and the casino, things like that. You won't have to wear them when eating and drinking. Uh, but yeah, they're also requiring testing a PCR or antigen test as of August 14th. So I don't think people really mind very much the PCR, the, the antigen tests. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's another expense and it's a little bit of a pain in the butt to make sure you get it within the required time as we were talking about before. But as you might expect, there was quite a bit of reaction to the notion of masking. But, you know, I think there are two camps on that. You and I were just talking about this before we went on the air. There are the people who are like, I don't care. I'm on a ship. Um, you know, I will do what I need to do. And there are the people who are immediately going to cancel because to them that is, you know, that is not the definition of a vacation. They don't think that wearing a mask is is conducive to being on vacation. So, you know, but it's what needs to be done right now. I will be very surprised if we don't see other cruise lines follow in their footsteps. I mean, for one thing, Carnival is the biggest cruise line in the world, so so they tend to be a trendsetter. But also, just you know, it's it's common sense. The one that'll be interesting to me to keep an eye on is Norwegian because um, you know Carnival is sailing at ninety five percent vaccinated. Norwegian is sailing at 100% vaccinated. And I don't know whether that will make a difference or not, but I suspect not. Given how seriously Norwegian has been taking um, the, the I mean, all the cruise lines, I shouldn't say that, all the cruise lines are taking the precautions very, very seriously, obviously. But Norwegian for quite a while has been like, no, when we sail, we will be sailing at 100%. There was very little talk of anything other than that. So given that they are sort of drawing that line in the sand, will they also say, yeah, we're going to require masks for all of our guests? 
Look, we can all agree this is a major inconvenience and a pain in the butt between getting a test within, what, 72 hours before you're sailing, you know, wearing the masks, whatever you have to do. I mean, it's not definitely not cruising 18 months ago like we were, you know, in pre-pandemic times, but I guess you have to look at it like an, a, an onion, I guess, different layers, right? Where, for instance, on our sailing, Carnival's taking your temperature. You don't even know about it because you're accepting it in the ticket contract, but you wouldn't know you're, it's being done with the masks, with the testing. The cases we have seen on board, it's showing people that the protocols are working and that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're finding the cases and getting them off the ship. I'm wondering, you know, I have to assume that most people on that ship were like, well, thank God we decided to go this week. You know, um, was was there a lot of that kind of talk in the wake of this announcement? Yeah, there was some in that camp and there was also some who just started wearing their mask immediately. Um, really? So there was a, it was a mixed bag. I wouldn't say there was one of, one of more than the other. There wasn't any pushback or, you know, like we saw, you know, people are always really flex online, right? This is bullshit, blah, blah, blah. There was just, well, glad we're on this sailing, not next sailing. Or yeah. they were like, okay, well, I'll just start wearing it now. I mean, people were doing it anyway in the elevators and stuff without even being told to. So you always have that vocal minority, right? Yeah. Look, if you, if you ever doubt that, post anything anywhere and then read the comments. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, that is that is why God invented the comment section yeah. <laughs> was for people to be upset. <laughs> and finally, more history in the making. Another restart. Cunard returning to service this week. Yeah, they will be sailing on Friday the 13th, which you know, let's hope is not unlucky for them. Mm-hmm. It is the Queen Elizabeth, which is a beauty of a ship. I've never been on her, but I have studied the photos and uh, voraciously looked at the deck plans and really kind of imagined myself on that ship because it's got sort of that old world charm that I have, you know, I've, I've always wanted to experience it sort of as a throwback to the old days of cruising. Uh, she is going to be sailing a series of UK voyages. So it's like basically only passengers from the UK and they will only be sailing uh, within the UK. And then she'll do her first international sailings beginning in October. There'll be a cruise out of Southampton to Amsterdam. And then after that, they're going to do a 14 night sailing to the Canary Islands uh, in November. So this is a big thing for Cunard because it's It's the first time in 17 months that one of their ships have sailed. Uh, They were one of the early ones to shut down. So this is this is big. And it's, you know, we talk a lot right now about restarting. And, you know, in this show alone, we talked about Disney restarting and now Canard restarting. And hopefully in a couple of weeks, we won't be talking anymore about restarting because it'll be done. They'll all have restarted. Listener question comes from Dan. Dan is sailing a seven-night cruise with three ports of call. He says, how do we know the protocols for each port we visit? Well, you know, here's the thing. First of all, you don't know that you're going to end up in those ports right now. Uh, We are seeing a lot of minor itinerary changes as various ports and work with the ships to say, you know, to to, to sort of get their protocols in line with one another, because they have to agree. Um, Both the ship and the port have to agree on what the protocols are going to be like if somebody gets sick and, you know, will, will it be handled on, on the port that you're visiting or will they be flown back home? That kind of thing. I think the easiest way to know what protocols are going to be in place when you visit a port is to basically let the cruise line keep you informed. This is what their job is. This is what they are doing. They are hammering every single day. They are hammering out the details of how this is going to work. It's why we see itinerary changes, because if they don't feel safe, if they don't think that uh, the the port that you're visiting is going to sort of do a good enough job of protecting you, they're not going to go there. They're going to go somewhere else. So there is no blanket answer to that question. It's really, you can research on your own, you know, what the protocols are currently, but they might change between now and even, even by the time, even when you board the ship and, and by the time you get to that port, it could change. And that could be why you see an itinerary change. So I think the, the best thing to do is to sort of put your faith and trust in the cruise line. And as we've talked a lot about in recent weeks, be flexible, you know, be aware that, that, you know, they may say, okay, we're only going to allow you to do bubble tours in this port because of the way protocols are being handled there. Or we are going to be skipping this port because we're not comfortable with that. And instead, we're going to take you over to this port. So, you know, be flexible. That's kind of the 
the, the, the motto I have right now when it comes to almost everything about cruising. Absolutely. Dan, we hope that answers your question. Email your questions to Doug at cruiseradio.net and we'll knock them out for you. Staff writer Richard Sims, thank you so much. Thanks as always. Have a question or a comment for the show? Send an email or voice memo to Doug at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Top industry stories from around the world and how they'll impact your next vacation. Every weekday morning on Cruise Radio News. Hanging out with the cruise director aboard Carnival's Mardi Gras, the Flying Scotsman, Chris. Good to see you again, man. It is so nice to see you. I'm so happy to be here. Um, as you can probably tell, it is just crazy busy. Yeah, <laughs> you're all over the place, man. And by the way, uh, before we start the interview, you kick major ass, man. You did that rock show the other night. Are you in any bands back home or anything? I was in a ba- I was in an ACDC band and a Queen band for nearly uh, seven, eight years when I was younger. And yeah, I was trained yeah, myself in opera as well. So I used to do a little bit of everything. But yeah, I, I love it. Dude, you kill it, man. So how does it feel to be the cruise director on Carnival's very first mega ship? <laughs> I, uh, sometimes pinch myself. Um, I wake up every morning and can't believe it's happening. Uh, this is the pinnacle. Uh, I don't think I can go to any other ship now. This is it for me. Uh, if I retire tomorrow, I'll be happy. Yeah, very Definitely. good. Right now, we're in the Grand Central, which is the talk of the ship. It's such a transformative space. Explain to the listeners what exactly can guests find in this area. What's great about this area is it has everything. It's multi-purpose, you know, every single day. So first thing in the morning when you come here for a coffee, you've got the most amazing panoramic views with the massive windows looking to the ports when we come in. But then on top of that, every night we have entertainment. We have variety acts. We have live bands. It is full time, and it's all the way from literally first thing in the morning to last thing at night. Yeah. 19 decks, 180,000 gross registered tons. So much stuff to do on board. What are some of your favorites? Just give us like three or four. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so center stage is definitely one of them. My favorite bar is the Fortune Teller. I just love the vibe. I love everything about it. Uh, I love the brand new Alchemy Bar, which is also amazing. And then on top of that, Bolt, which is just phenomenal. Uh, I have the experience of being on it, and it is very fast. So I say I know you're about to go on stage, man. Thanks for taking a couple of minutes, and thanks for being on Cruise Radio, buddy. Always good to see you. Always a pleasure, man. Take care. This is Cruise Radio. Hanging out with Carnival Cruise Line President Christine Duffy. Great to see you again. We just saw you, like, what, two weeks ago? Yes, I think it's deja vu for yeah. us, Doug. It really is. Now, we've been on board for almost a week now. What are your thoughts of Mardi Gras so far? I mean, you're actually, you've been on before, but you're actually seeing it in action. It's so very different from being on during the day for the tour that we did last month and actually experiencing it with guests on board. It makes a huge difference. And uh, I love uh, so many of the features and and so many different options people Mm -hmm. have to experience on the ship. There's a few new to Carnival concepts like the zones here, dining, and of course, Bolt, the roller coaster. What has the feedback been from guests so far? I think... The guests that I've talked to are loving the ship. I think they're getting used to it because it is so different from any other Carnival cruise ship. So they're looking for some of the things that would normally be located in a different place. Guy's Burger now is up top Mm -hmm. on the playground and not by the main pool. So that's a change. You know, I think people have appreciated all the different dining and entertainment options. And people are loving our new Grand Central atrium. I want to talk about protocols just for a second here. The company made a couple of changes a couple of days ago, including um, on August 7th, there's going to be masks, whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated in the public areas and crowded areas, and also testing beginning on August 14th for it's like a PCR test or antigen test. Are there options for people who may not be comfortable sailing like, you know, I can't, I don't want to wear a mask. Can I cancel and move my cruise to maybe down the road when I might not have to? 
Absolutely. We've maintained flexibility with our guests all along because we know things change. And so if it's different than the assumptions uh, and information we had at the time that you booked, we want to be able to give you the opportunity to move your booking to a later date. Good. And last question here. I know you're busy. Uh, can you tell us anything at all about maybe the upcoming Excel celebration or the cost of magic you're getting next year or the third Excel class ship? Like anything at all? Well, for celebration, we're still fine-tuning some of the areas, so that's fun. And she'll be very similar to Mardi Gras uh, with some tweaks in terms of design and color, more similar to what we saw between Horizon and Vista. And then, as you know, with Panorama, we actually changed and did some different guest experience venues. So we're working on that for the third Excel ship, which, frankly, internally, we've not named either. So she's still Excel 3. And for Costa Magica, we have uh, some ideas of the areas that we need to transform to make it a carnival cruise ship. We, again, have not really determined uh, the name or what other uh, things we may put on that ship, but we're hoping that ship will be ready for sailing in next summer. I guess I have to take that answer, Christine. Christine Duffy, president of Carnival Cruise Line. Thank you so much. Thanks. A lot of words to say. <laughs> Not telling you. <laughs> this is Cruise Radio. All right. Last week, we had Ashley Kishulik, staff writer with the Point Sky, on the show to help me break down the ship. And she is back again this week to answer some of your listener questions and comments you had regarding Carnival's Mardi Gras. Hello again, Ashley. Hey again, Doug. I just wish we were on the ship this time and not doing it from a thousand miles apart. Right. Yeah. So we have a lot of questions here from some listeners. Um, a lot of them are the same. So we're going to try to, I guess, kill two birds with one stone here with a lot of these questions. So we'll jump right to them. Um, the first one comes from Bill. He asks, what are the zones on Mardi Gras and do you have any favorites? There are six neighborhoods. The first one is Grand Central, which is where you'll find Java Blue and Cherry on Top and this brand new uh, side-facing atrium concept that they're touting, which is is really neat to see in action. So that was a nice space. There's the ultimate playground, which is where Bolt is, along with some of the other outdoor stuff like the ropes course, and there's some water slides up in that general area as well, and I believe uh, a mini golf course. There's the French Quarter, which is the Mardi Gras New Orleans-themed neighborhood that's got Emeralds, uh, Bistro 1396. So that's um, added fee seafood options. It's also where you will find the Fortune Teller Bar. The menu there, the drink menu, has some really outstanding uh, adult beverages to try. They're, They're pretty creative and they taste good too. The next one is the Lido, which is where the pools are. And uh, Doug, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's also where Guy's is too, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And Big Chicken? Yeah, in the back of 16. Okay, yep. And then Summer Landing. That is, in my opinion, the best place on board to go for live entertainment. The band they had was seriously out of this world good. And they've got the uh, Pig and Anchor, uh, the, the brew, ho- or brew Pub and the Barbecue is up there too. And, of course, the, the one of the four locations to get the free soft-serve ice cream. Uh, the machines always seem to be empty, though, which was <laughs> sad and frustrating for someone like me who eats, like, three cones a day. Um, and La Piazza is the sixth one, which is where all of the sort of Italian-themed eateries are. So there's Cucina del Capitano. There's the Piazza Panini and also the, oh, Doug, what is the name of the pizza place? Pizzeria del Capitano? I still swear that Carnival makes the best pizza out of any cruise line. So that was a place I frequently was at as well. I was talking to the guy who makes the pizzas behind the counter. I don't know what you call those people. The pizza makers? 1,200 pies a day. <laughs> I believe it. There, yeah. was, there was always a line, um, but it moved quickly. It, they really did. I, I think... When we were in line the one time, we saw the guy pulling like, I want to say probably 10 to 15 mm-hmm. pies out of the oven at one time. <laughs> my favorite spot or my favorite zones, I would probably say um, the ultimate playground. And I, I don't think we talked about this on the show last week because I think we did it after we taped. But uh, the ropes course up there on the ultimate playground that has that zip line that goes out over the side of the ship. That was really cool where uh, I wasn't expecting that. Like I just thought it was a ropes course, uh, whatever. Then I was like, you know what? 
this has a zipline on it. Let's go up there and do it. I thought that was really fun and uh, some great photo ops if you want to kind of a, a photo of yourself kind of swinging out over the side of the ship. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a fun thing to try if you've never done it. And if you're not afraid of heights, if yeah, you are, that's the important thing. stay away, but... <laughs> and also, uh, I like Summer Landing, too. They had the watering hole bar, which is kind of uh, on the back part of Summer Landing, which they, what's the, they call the patio, I believe. And that was some mm-hmm. nice refreshing drinks back there. And you were talking about, um, what was it, the French Quarter, and you, you liked the fortune teller bar there. My favorite was the Brass Magnolia? <laughs> the Brass Magnolia, yes. that's a, It's sort of a New Orleans-themed jazz bar, and yeah. they have live music there. Um, throughout the day as well. Also a lot of good, pretty much any bar you go to has some really creative drink options. Um, and it's, it's nice that it's all kind of in one space that you can float between them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the best part of it there. Everything's kind of just kind of know where your space is and you can kind of hang out there or bounce from zone to zone if you want to throughout your voyage. The next question here comes from Don. How does the main dining room work? You were mentioning last week that you can eat in other venues and order dining room selections in those other venues. Yes. So there are two standard main dining rooms, like the the type of dining rooms that come to mind when you think main dining room on a ship. It's the Palm and the Flamingo. We noticed on the first two nights of our sailing, the lines were super long at dinner time. And I mean, usually there is some of that on the first day anyway, just until people get seated and kind of figure out what's going on. The line maybe needs to do a little a better job of letting people know that they can also go to Cucina del Capitano or Shebang, which is the new Mexican and Chinese sort of hybrid restaurant on board. So those two places are both free of charge and you can either order from the menus that are special to those restaurants or you can order from the main dining room menu, um, the same one that is in the Palm and the Flamingo. So they're sort of like overflow dining rooms which is a nice option. But I think just the first couple of days, people really didn't know about it. And we did see toward like day three and four, those lines started to really go down because people were eating elsewhere. It's also worth noting that you can eat at Cucina del Capitano. It's complimentary. And also you can order the main dining room menu from that restaurant. Um, Like lobster, I went there for the first formal night and I had lobster right there in Cucina. Or if I wanted to order chicken parmesan or calamari, that would be included as well. And no extra surcharge. Rebecca has an next question. She says, are there any quiet areas on the ship? This is a tough one. Um, if I needed a quiet space, I generally stayed in my cabin because I was working. So, um, I did need to find a a quiet area to do some writing. The ship does not have a library. And to my knowledge, it does not have like a card room or anything either, which is usually one of my go-to quiet spots on a ship. I found that actually the atrium and this, this surprised me, but the atrium was very quiet on port days. So I did get some work done there. Um, there were crew, like entertainment crew kind of coming and going, setting up for that evening's performances and stuff. But it largely um, was a nice space to just kind of relax and, and get some stuff done without being distracted. Um, another area that and I didn't I didn't actually get to experience Loft 19. Um, Doug, I know you did. Is that a good space for quiet time or not really? Yeah, for sure. That's ultimate quietness because it's right above Serenity. Um, I guess if you're familiar with um, the Vibe Beach Club on the Norwegian Cruise Line ships, it's a lot like that where it's an extra area where if you're staying in one of Carnival's Excel suites on the ship, you have access to Loft 19 or you can buy a day pass. And from what I'm reading, um, there's really no solid number. I I think it's going to be like fluid pricing based on capacity and such as far as how much the passes are going to start at. published in like 2019 at the end in the December of 2019 they were saying around $50 per day for the pass um, that could be higher or lower I'm not sure so don't quote me on that uh, but also you could also get a cabana up there as well and the cabana's a little pricey $500 per day or 2000 for the week so that'll depend on how many people you want to put in there and uh, that's that's for the whole cabana not per person or you know if you have a lot of Port activities planned. It might not be in your best interest to get one, but if you want to stay on the ship the whole time, uh, it might actually do you some good because you don't have to fight for lawn chairs or anything like that. You have your own kind of, I don't want to say a butler, but a, a pool attendant that checks on you um, every hour and such. So Loft 19, definitely for quietness, a great, I did a lot of reading up there. Also another place, now that I'm just randomly thinking about this, the thermal suite, the Cloud 9 Spa was $179 for the week, I believe. And 
thermal chairs, you have your whirlpool, uh, what else you have? The philosotherapy pool, I think is how you pronounce it, the sauna, the steam room, all of that included a really quiet spot down there on deck six as well. I'm one of those uh, wimpy people who <laughs> goes to the Caribbean and stays inside all day because mm-hmm. she doesn't like the sticky heat. <laughs> Oh, trust me. I was I was contorting my body up in loft 19 because I was trying to stay out of the sun. So I was like, you know, sitting on the very, very back end of the lawn chair until the sun would slowly move. And I would slowly creep back out onto the uh, <laughs> onto the chair because it was uh, the sun was brutal out there as we as we both experienced. Oh, it was. I, I have the proof on the right <laughs> side of my body. I sat in Doug knows this, but I sat in the shade all day the day that we were in Amber Cove. Uh, thinking that I'd be protected. And so I didn't have sunscreen on. And I guess I was sitting by a window in such a way that the sun reflected off the water and burnt the entire right side of my body Mm. to a crisp. So still recovering from that. (laughs) (laughs) The next question comes from Carol here. How is it navigating the ship with crowds and finding your way around? This is a subjective answer. Obviously, it might feel different for each person. But for me, it did feel a little bit crowded at times, um, most of the time in the public areas. And I finding my way around, I, this, I'm probably not the best person to answer this because I am slightly directionally challenged. And um, by day seven, the last day, I still did not really know where I was going most of the time. Um, the ship is a little confusing it's sort of like you have the center of the ship and then you have things going on down either side. So it's almost like you have to explore both sides of the center to figure out where things are and where you're going. You can probably explain this better than what I'm saying, Doug. Help me out here. <laughs> so you're talking about deck six, seven, and eight. The general um, Grand Central area mm-hmm. is kind of like there's these weird tiered staircases that you have to go through doors to access them. And there are, you know, you'll be walking straight and then all of a sudden you'll come to an elevator bank, but can't figure out how to get around the side to, you know, keep continuing down that corridor to get to the next bar or lounge or whatever. Yeah, I, it's a, I found it's a very, some of it cumbersome. Yeah. It's a very squared off ship, I guess is kind of uh, how to explain it, but you have to, yeah, I mean, I know what you mean there, especially on deck seven, because the casino is there. So there are a lot of doors in and around deck seven to kind of keep the smoke out. So it's a barrier, right? So uh, going down from deck eight into the casino, to deck seven, there's a door that goes down there. Also, multiple doors on deck seven in and out of the casino. But again, that's just to kind of keep the smoke from, I guess, drifting into other areas of the ship. So once you master those, you're golden. 100%. I remember the last night we were going to one of the shows, which was Deck 7 forward in the Mardi Gras Theater. And I think I took us to Deck 6 aft, I think. or I was just so confused because I get turned around really easily. And any other carnival ship, I know exactly where I am. But this one uh, took a little bit of a learning curve to try to master it, I guess. Yes. Next question comes from Karen. In your opinion, is the new Carnival Mardi Gras a nickel and dime type ship? Not at all. Um, especially when you compare it to, to some other cruise lines, apart from the things that you're used to paying for, like alcohol and spa treatments and anything from the onboard shops, really the only thing you have to pay for, um, is bolt the, the roller coaster. And to be fair, I, I do think that the cost is a little, um, pricey for the length of the ride. It's, we timed it several times. And, and so it's about, it's $15. Initially they said it would be two laps around for $15 on our sailing. The lines were like a 90 minute wait. So they cut it down to one lap, which meant one lap for $15. And it takes about, if you're going full speed, cause you, the driver, there's a, it's a two seat car. The person sitting in the front is considered the driver and there's a throttle. So they decide how fast you go up to a certain speed, of course. If you're really gunning it and going as fast as you can go, it, it only takes about 20 seconds. So to me, that that's a nickel and dime item. But for the most part, you're really only going to pay extra for the stuff I mentioned, plus like alternative restaurants. But in terms of alternative restaurants, there really there aren't that many that you have to pay for. I was really surprised at how many of the dining options are free and how many of those free options were just really good food. Like, I don't think Carnival gets enough credit a lot of times for their culinary offerings. Yeah, it is surprising on this ship how many complimentary offerings there are. I mean, just like Chebang, which is comparable to Gigi's Asian Kitchen on other ships, 
complimentary, normally $15 on other ships. Uh, Cucina, normally $15, complimentary on this ship. And the dinner at Guy Fieri's Smokehouse Brew House, normally a la carte on other carnival ships, also complimentary on this ship as well. The only really paid ones are $38 for Fahrenheit 555, also Rudy's Sea Grill, and the a la carte pricing, which is really affordable at Emerald's Bistro on Deck 6. We mentioned on the last time we were chatting that we got a sizable meal at Emerald's for like $11 total for both of us, Um, which is crazy. And then Big Chicken is the other one we should mention. That's a newcomer on this ship and it's free. And that chicken is so good. It's not like, it's not crappy, grizzly, you know, nasty chicken that you take a bite of and you're like, yeah, I'm done. This was like, I want more. (laughs) Yeah. So I haven't had fast food in four years and eight months after I lost the weight. And I probably, I may have fallen off the wagon because that chicken at Big Chicken, it tastes exactly how I remember a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich tasting. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Um, And then just in terms of other free stuff, I mean, there's the water slides, there's the ropes course, you have mini golf, all that kind of outdoor stuff we already mentioned. The pools, obviously are free. Um, and then all the activities and the, the daily schedule. So no, I, I don't think this is a nickel and dime ship at all. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that one. Next question comes from Mike. What was the elevators like with 4,200 guests on board? Yes. Uh, <laughs> there are a lot of elevators, but they, we asked some of the executives and they claim that they are larger than on some other ships. I would like to measure them. I mean, not that I would, but just, you know, if I really wanted to get technical about it because they felt really small to me and they were often crowded, which given the current climate of social distancing uh, is not exactly something that meshes. So I know on our sailing, there were also some issues with the elevator buttons. For some reason, in some of the cars, there was a glitch where if people would get inside and push more than three buttons, they would all reset. And so until people caught on to what was happening, there were elevator, like if I were on a particular deck and hit a button to call an elevator, I would see them whizzing past me without stopping. And I'd be like, what the heck's going on? But it was because the people on the, who were already in the elevator car were pushing all these buttons and they would keep resetting. So the elevator didn't know where the heck it was going <laughs> and would just keep like going up and down forever. And then you have someone like me who we were talking about it. And I mean, they must have fixed it since we were talking about it because I got in there and pushed every single button and it worked perfectly fine. And you're like, what the heck are you doing? Because Doug is five years old. Exactly. <laughs> well, I wanted to test it. I, I was never, I never experienced the reset thing where they, they must have fixed it since then. So we'll leave that there and move on to the next question, which comes from Diane. We are booked in December. What is one thing we should know before we sail? Um, I actually have two things, which I know is not what she asked, but I'm going (laughs) to offer them up anyway. The first one is get comfortable with using the Hub app. I know a lot of people like to go on vacation and not be on their phones, and I get that. Um, I'm one of them. Unfortunately, I don't always have that luxury when I'm working, but because of a lot of the contactless things that are going on right now with the COVID situation, um, you will find everything you need on there from the fun times, the the daily schedule, to reservations for dinner and shore excursions. Um, And there's also also this cool feature called virtual queuing. So like, for example, if you make a reservation to go on Bolt on the roller coaster, you sign up for a time slot and then you show up at your time and you can walk right up. You don't have to stand there in the heat and wait in line for an hour or whatever. Um, so they are really heavily leaning on the app right now. And it took me a few days to catch on. And once I did, I found that my onboard experience was much easier. So that's the first thing is the app. The second thing is just a a warning, um, to anyone like me, who's a little nervous about crowds right now. This was the fourth sailing that I have been on since cruising reopened to Americans in May. The first three that I did, I think the highest capacity of any of them was 24%. Mardi Gras is at 70, or actually I believe it's 75% now. It was 70 when we were on board. So that's a lot of people, like 4,200 or so, like like you mentioned. And for me, it was a bit of a shock. I wasn't expecting it. They have implemented some some new protocols since then, like mask wearing and pre-cruise testing and things like that. So if you are someone who is a little bit 
leery of that, just be aware that, that that's likely what you will be experiencing when you board. And going back to the virtual queue for a moment, you could also do that at guest services as well. So instead of going down there and waiting in that very long line, which is normally um, normally at the atrium, but on this ship, the guest services is kind of um, just outside of summer, la- summer landing. So we're talking deck eight aft here. Um, you could make an appointment for guest services. Once your time is up, you'll get a notification. You go right to guest services and talk to them. So there's no reason to wait in a very long line. That is a nice feature. And one other thing, just kind of related to guest services, because I actually did stand in the line a couple times. <laughs> I really prefer having an actual like physical paper copy of the fun times. Mm-hmm. And they do offer them if you go to the guest services desk and request one. But something I should mention is that a couple of times I took the paper copy and was relying on the paper copy for like times and locations for certain activities. And it turned out they had changed them after they were printed. So they were changed on the app, which I wasn't using. And I ended up going to the wrong venue for trivia. And there were a couple other times when I showed up like a half hour early for the the nighttime entertainment because I thought that it was a half hour earlier than it was because they had changed the time. So just you know, if you want the, the paper copy, like as a memento, great, but you're probably still going to be better off relying on the app. Yeah, that was funny. You were like, meet me at the limelight for famous dogs and cats trivia. So we went down to the limelight and they're talking about fishing in Mississippi or something. I'm like, are you sure this is the right place? You're like, this is what the paper says. So I pulled it up on the app and they, tw- they switched the location from when you got the paper to when it actually happened. So yeah, we we're on the wrong side of the ship. But, uh, yeah, we had to run up to the yeah. Havana bar, <laughs> use the app. Yeah, my suggestion would be to book. If you think you want to do a specialty restaurant or a thermal suite or something like that, uh, they do cap all of that. So book it in advance. And if you want to do Chibang, Cucina, or if you you know you didn't do it while you were before your cruise for Fahrenheit five 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 or Rudy Seagrill or even Teppanyaki, do it right when you get on the ship. And from experience, um, I can tell you uh, because I tried to get into Fahrenheit for my dad and I, it didn't work out for me. So make sure don't try to wait till you get on the ship to make these reservations. Now you can't pre-book Chibang, you can't pre-book Cucina or. Um, you can't even really book Guy's Smokehouse at all. You just kind of walk in and eat. But there is a do your research, pre-book, if not before you cruise in your cruise planner right when you get on the ship. Because with uh, as we ramp up capacity, whenever that happens, those slots are going to go a lot quicker than they are right now. All right. Next question comes from Ellen. Are both aft pools open to the entire ship? Yes, they are, as well as the pool that is in sort of the midship area. If you're looking for more of a private pool, you'll, you're going to have to pay for that. So you're going to either have to get yourself a Loft 19 pass on Deck 19. Serenity does have a pool up there on Deck 18, not private. Um, you know, There's adults only up there. What else is there? There's the Havana area, but you have to stay in a Havana cabin to use that. Or the Philosophical Therapy pool-type whirlpool in the thermal suite at the spa, which is about $179 a week for that. Otherwise, your options are what Ashley just said. All right, final question comes from Tommy here. He says, how was the energy on the ship? It's such a big vessel with so many venues at half capacity. Did it feel dead? And how was the new layout for the atrium? I can see it being really cool or really awkward. Which way did it go? Um, No, actually, well, it was at 70%, so a little more than half capacity. Um, The venues, to me, did not feel dead at all. In fact, um, at, at times they felt bustling. I won't say crowded because there was definitely enough space for everybody, but I think... I think Carnival designed it that way. I think because of the neighborhood concept, the whole point is that people are going to go to these various you know, areas and congregate. That was kind of the whole idea behind this. As far as the atrium goes, I really like this space. I like that it faces out to the ocean during the day and then converts to this really cool secondary theater space at night. It was a little awkward when like that the entertainment team the singers and dancers were rehearsing because it can't be a closed rehearsal with the way the venue is set up because it's open to the rest of the ship um there's no doors they can close to say like this is a private thing so they actually made announcements before every rehearsal and just said hey guys this isn't the actual show come back later Um, we're just doing sound checks right now. So it was kind of, it was kind of neat though, to be able to watch that because normally you're not allowed to. Um, and it, it feels 
intimate kind of in that immediate area. But as soon as you walk toward the back of the atrium and, and out into the main aisle where you'll find like Java blue and cherry on top, it feels more central. So it, it's, it does a really good job of feeling intimate and um, social at the same time. So I think it works in that respect. Yeah, and I will say where the places that, you know, the venues that Carnival really excels at, right? Like the Punchliner Comedy Club, Alchemy, the Brass Magnolia on this ship, Fortune Teller, the Grand Bar, which is the Atrium Bar on other ships. All the venues we visited, we could sometimes not find a seat or had to wait for someone to get up because there was just one bar still open. So I think the, the venues were pretty jumping. And you know what? You bring up a good point with a lot of these places being standing room only. Even the main theater, it's a little smaller, I think, than most main theaters, especially for how big the ship is, like how many passengers it carries. So what they've done is they have like three different show times instead of the usual two. So for the performances in the theater, the Family Feud game show, which is something that's new with Mardi Gras, and for the comedy shows too, I believe they had three performances each night. So if you go to one and you find that there's no seats, you can always come back later. But I find it interesting that they made the venues a bit smaller on such a big ship and instead they're just offering that extra performance to sort of back up and and answer the the part of the question about the vibe i think the energy on the ship was great people were so excited to be there they were elated to be on the first sailing of mardi gras because a lot of them had booked sailings on mardi gras or even other carnival ships that were supposed to have happened previously and they just kept getting canceled and canceled and canceled and so i think everyone was just And the final question, Ashley, after spending seven nights on board Carnival's Mardi Gras, eight days, if you consider the sip and see thing we did uh, the Friday before the sailing, final thoughts of the ship? I think it's fantastic. It's a really, really beautiful ship. There's tons to do. I was never bored, but I also didn't feel like there was so much to do that I couldn't do and see everything I wanted to in a week. So I think it works really well with the different neighborhood spaces. Um, It does feel busy, um, but I think that just related to the last question um, before this one, I think that adds to the energy and just makes it feel like a really fun social vacation. Um, There are a few kinks they have to work out, but that's to be expected. I think it's important to call out the fact that because of all the COVID stuff going on, they didn't have a chance to do a shakedown sailing. So We were sort of the guinea pigs, um, but even toward the end of our sailing, they had already started to fix a lot of the small issues that we saw. So I imagine it'll just only get better from here. In terms of my favorite stuff, definitely love the live music and summer landing. I think the new drink selections throughout the ship are phenomenal, very tasty, super creative. Just to reiterate, I'm super, super impressed by the number of free food options and just the quality of the food in general. I echo most of what you say when you walk on the ship. So make sure you look at a deck plan because you will get turned around that big atrium that faces the sea. It's not your typical Carnival Cruise Line atrium. It's right there when you walk on board. It's a very transformative space as we talked over the past couple of weeks. And just look at the atrium there, the sea-facing atrium as your North Star, as it was designed to be. So everything leads to that and branches off of that on 6, 7, and 8. But definitely look at a deck plan before you get on board because it's a big ship and it's easy to get turned around. Alchemy is another one I should throw out since you mentioned bars. I just I know that that's a big favorite for a lot of people on a lot of other carnival ships and it's in a different location now, which I actually kind of like better. It's mm-hmm. a little more private. All right. Well, that'll put a wraps up on our Q and a for carnival Mardi Gras. I've been talking with staff writer for the point sky, Ashley Kashulik, and I'll link to her coverage of carnival's Mardi Gras at cruiseradio.net. Just check the show notes out there. Ashley, thank you so much for hanging out these past couple of weeks. And it was good to see you. You too. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Doug. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer.